Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Inside of your gut, some pretty amazing science is going on that we're just beginning to understand. Now, your gut is home to all kinds of wonderful things, including a bunch of microbes. But what they're doing, and how that's connected to the rest of your body, and the way it interacts with the rest of your body, is only now starting to be more and more understood. That's what we dive into this week, the way in which our guts are connected to the rest of our bodies. In science, there are a couple of areas where we continue to learn new things that fascinate, confuse, and also surprise scientists. You can look deep into the deepest parts of our oceans or around finding life in some strange and inhospitable volcanic pools. Maybe it's the way in which our brains work and our abilities to try and comprehend exactly what is happening inside of them. These are all fascinating areas of research, but one that really is probably the most counterintuitive to get your head around, or rather your gut around, is just how important your gut is and what it does for your body. Not just because it processes food, but actually because of its home, what it holds inside of it. The home for all kinds of microbes. And these microbial communities play, as we are learning, an increasing and surprisingly large role in our lives. This kind of unusual relationship and balance of our microbial system, we're learning more and more about. And researchers from Valcornel Medicine have been diving into and exploring just the lengths that your gut will go to to protect itself and the important community residing inside of your gut. Now, this was published in the journal Cell. With lead author on this paper, Dr. Van Zhang, under direction of senior author Dr. David Artis, and a list of collaborators. Now, this is really a serious topic. We talk about gut feelings and microbes, and all of this seems like not just hard to get your head around, but also really vague and strange. So let's try and make it a bit more real. Because there are many diseases that we can see in our guts, mainly types of inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's disorder, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis. Now, if you look at just the numbers on pure numbers basis, these diseases can have really, really large impact pain-wise, particularly in a flare-up, on millions of people across a country. So in a country like the United States, it has several million people affected each year. And in a country like Australia, where this podcast is recorded, it's also quite substantive too. When you have one of these episodes or in a stressful period, well, it can lead to some really debilitating pain. Now, normally people try and treat it with drugs that directly target elements of the immune system. But this may cause other follow-on effects, particularly if that regulatory immune system is in and thrown out of whack and maybe goes into overdrive, well, that could have some pretty nasty effects on some microbes that actually live in your body, bacteria that dwells inside your gut that helps actually regulate gut inflammation, which may make things worse. Now, researchers like Dr. David Artis have been diving into the way in which your nervous system is connected to various organs across your body, because the way it's wired into these organs can help it understand how it influences and guides your immune system. These organs are often at the working surface of your body's systems, your lungs, your guts, your heart, all of these organs are doing important jobs and interacting at a base level with different parts of your body. They're also the ones that get under threat when something goes wrong. 
So having good connections back to the immune system is really important. Now, what the artists and the team were looking at were exactly how the gut is connected to the rest of the nervous system, and in particular, looking at the way pain neurons are connected. And these innervate or extend their nerve endings actually out into the gut. Now, these nerves which innervate or extend out into the gut have a pretty important role to play. The bodies of these cells actually don't sit inside the gut, they sit on the lower spine, and they express a surface protein called TRPV1. Its job is to serve as a receptor for pain-related signals. Now, there's many things that can activate a pain signal inside your body. Things like high heat, acid, or even something a bit less nice like capsaicin, the chili pepper compound, which gives that really hot burning heat sensation. When these nerves see this, or rather feel this, they translate that into a sense of burning pain. So these neurons and nerve endings are actually doing that job of helping you learn about super hot chili-type sensations by activating with using this certain surface protein, TRPV1. Now, what researchers found is that if you cut off the supply of TRPV1 and basically mean the receptors of the gut nerves, or basically another way of doing that is by deleting actually a gene in the neurons that actually prevents it from expressing this particular protein, well, what ends up happening is then you don't get that burning sensation. Now, this is not great, but obvious because you turned off basically the ability to detect it. What was more surprising is the researchers found that it led to much, much worse inflammation and actual tissue damage in mice with inflammatory bowel disease and mouse models. So whereas if you turned on this particular receptor, well, you actually have a protective effect. This is a bit surprising because it means that what researchers were seeing was you could get improvements or better response to inflammatory bowel disease or just in general having your bowels handle cases of inflammation and damage way better in cases where they could actually detect super hot sensations. So this particular protein, TRPV1, is actually doing a really important job. Now, what they observed was by blocking this particular type of protein being expressed, the inflammation and the tissue damage in the mice were also not just you know, harming the mice, but they saw that the relative populations of gut microbiome were changing as well. When they mapped out the population amounts inside the guts of these mice models, they could see that that was varying and changing. When you took this altered bacterial population and put it into a normal mice, well, you end up with that same worsened susceptibility to inflammation and damage. Or rather, the TRPV1 is not the only thing actually that's contributing here. It's working in unison with the gut microbiome at that point. And if you take that bad gut microbiome induced by not having this TRPV1 present, well, if you go put that in another mouse, you will then end up with a mouse with almost the same end result as the mouse that had both the gene editing done in the first place. So this is also, again, pretty surprising because they're talking about turning it on and off gene expression and these neurons and actually then seeing result inside these microbiome. Now, when they created this bad microbiome case, if you use just a generic broad spectrum treatment of antibiotics, even in the 
cases where they use that gene editing or they had the mice had this bad microbiome induced in them they found that they could recover back to healthy behavior so the reduced damage in inflammation in the bowels which is pretty good this is a surprising result because it shows that trpv1 actually not just protects the gut at least in the mice model by helping it detect pain but it also plays an important role in maintaining the right balance of population in that gut microbiome now there's many things inside trpv1 but the researchers have sort of honed in on a molecule that on the nerve that secretes a substance called p good shorthand where they observe that they if they had that in place or not it could reverse or harm most of the harmful effects of blocking TRPV1. It's a pretty special molecule and shows that it's basically like the key active ingredient here. Now, the experiments suggest that the signaling between neurons and microbes is actually not just one way. It's not just the gene, the protein being carried along, carrying some message to the microbial community. Actually, the bacteria could activate TRPV1 expression themselves, which would then dump out more of this active molecule P. This is pretty cool because it means basically not only is this TRPV1 regulating and keeping the population of microbes inside the gut healthy, if those microbes then detect something's out of whack, they can call for backup by basically getting an extra boost of that active compound that they need. Now, what researchers aren't quite clear on is how well this translates to humans. They looked at the gut tissue from patients with inflammatory bowel disease and did find abnormal TRPV1 and also lack of this gene, particularly this substance P, in there. So this is a pretty significant sign. It means the mouse model is at least broadly in line with what we see in humans. Now, exactly how this particular molecular compound P actually impacts the gut microbiome populations and how the microbes talk back through this compound, that's still to be worked out. But it's pretty amazing to think about all of these things going on inside of your stomach. So when you have that hot burning sensation, not just in your mouth, but in your gut from eating super spicy food, what's signaling that and letting your body know that that's happening is also working in coordination with the community of microbes that live inside your stomach. And that in many ways is protecting you from tissue damage and inflammation. It's a pretty cool thing that your body is just doing, but not your body on its own. The microbes inside your gut are helping you out and working together as a community and team. Some pretty amazing research published in the journal Cell, researchers from Deval Cornell Medicine, with lead author in this paper, Huan Zhang. microbes in your body are definitely helpful. That's one of the reasons why they're there. But sometimes where they are can also change, leading to not so good results. Now, if you take a typical gut bacterium like Enterococcus facilis, 
This can end up sometimes moving outside of where it belongs in your intestine and escape out to other parts of your body. Now when this happens, this isn't good because it effectively leads to some pretty nasty infections. One of the reasons this is so bad is because, well, this Enterococcus bacillus actually normally lives in your body. So in terms of your immune system's ability to detect and process it, well, it knows the lay of the land, so to speak. And so this makes it a pretty nasty infection to get. That's why researchers like Dr. Diana Camorales and assistant professor of microbiology from Vile Cornell Medicine have recently been investigating this and published in the journal Enbio. Lead author on this particular paper was Ibesca Ramos, along with Stephanie Sanson, Sung Mingguan, and others. Now, when people get a systemic type of infection from this enterococcus, it can be pretty nasty because this particular bacteria can adapt really well to different environments and strongly resist treatments both from your body and from other sources. People at risk of developing these infections are often people who are already on antibiotics or have otherwise compromised immune systems. They're the people who are at the most risk already. And what can end up happening is this compromised immune systems enables basically this enterococcus to overgrow, outgrow the intestine. But how exactly this bacteria moves out of the gut and spreads is really important because it would help scientists understand how small molecules stop the bacterium's actual extra-intestinal decimation or rather how this bacteria manages to get out of where it's meant to be and escape out through your body. This is really important because it could just be not applying not just to this particular bacterial infection, but many other mechanisms as well. So how does a bacteria get out of the intestine and spread to other organs? This is a pretty tricky topic to explore. And researchers have observed that it's not just a trick that Enterococcus can pull off. Different populations of the same species of bacteria even exist. One of those populations actually gets some traits that allow it to pass through the intestinal barrier. This is pretty useful because it acquires a lot of advantageous resistance to antimicrobials. This traveler, this one that can dodge through that intestinal barrier, has a lot of other boosts to it. But there's another type, one that more or less stays where it is. Now, when researchers have been looking at the studies of this particular bacterium, what they see is that the one that's dynamic and moving, the, one, the motile one, it actually produces molecules formed by long sugar chains called polysaccharides. And these allow the bacterium to aggregate or clump together. When these bacteria basically roll themselves up or clump up, they actually gain the ability to move around. The bacteria on its own otherwise is generally found to be less motile, less motivated to move. And it's also harder because they're much, much smaller. As a large team all clumped together, well, it's easier to get around. What the researchers did is they found that this motile form of enterococcus has a cell envelope that contains an increased amount of glycosophilids, which basically are a fat molecule linked with a carbohydrate. By having more of these glycosilipids, it helps the bacteria resist a lot of extracellular stress pushed on it. These stresses, uh, including things like antichromobial agents, uh, which is often a common treatment for the actual bacteria infection. With this knowledge in mind, the researchers tried to develop a mutant bacteria form, one that had a reduced production of these glycosipulates. 
And when they did this, they found that the bacteria was actually way more susceptible to the antimicrobial agent in the body. They would easily more detected and also wiped out. And it also reduced the ability of the bacterium to penetrate the cell surfaces and move through the intestinal barriers, the epithelial cells. This is really important. So not only was the bacteria easy to hit, but it also was harder for it to escape in the first place. Now, this is amazing because they basically found a form of this particular bacteria that is easy to treat. So the question is now, how could you make existing bacteria convert to that mechanism? So they need to see what molecular pathways could be uncovered to actually treat bacteria and prevent it from getting through the intestine. But it's a pretty amazing identification because with what they know, it's possible to imagine a pharmaceutical treatment to attack this. We don't have it right now, but understanding how this gut bacteria manages to escape in the first place, evade detection, and then burst through the walls of the intestinal cells is really important. Because now that you know how it escapes and how it evades detection, you can make something that goes after those specific vulnerabilities and makes it less easy for it to sneak away. This is really important because it's protecting people who are already suffering from a dangerous infection, but also are immune compromised in the first place, or most likely. This is some great research published by Vile Medicine with lead author in this paper, Yusibeska Ramos, published in the journal MBio. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. Our gut microbiome is intricately linked to the rest of our bodies, and the way in which it interacts and the way it can escape from the gut is also particularly fascinating. That's what we looked at this week. Our ending theme was composed by Audionatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.